gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Welcome to the Truth Prescription, brother. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Listen, this is so special. Uh, it's the inaugural Truth Prescription podcast. You know, we just had the inauguration, your boy Trump. <laughs> So now we we got our inauguration. That's right. Uh, this is the first one, El Primero. No dinero, but El Primero. And uh, this is exciting. You know, having my first podcast and having someone who I've known for 20 years, you know, be on the podcast is very special. Uh, this brother, Dr. Anthony Watkins, has been uh, very successful in his, in his endeavors. And um, that's why I wanted to bring him on. You know, the, the premise of the podcast is that all successful people, no matter what their industry is, have had to deal with and be honest about certain truths. And it's confronting those truths that often provide the fuel for them to overcome both internal and external obstacles. That's right. That's right. So this is why all of our guests who are successful will talk about sort of the things that they've had to go through, the truths that they had to come into contact with, to real contact with in order to break through a certain barrier. So interestingly, back in uh, 2009, I actually shot a documentary on Dr. Watkins. Um, and I asked him a question back, back then. And well, I'm just going to, just going to play the audio and then I'm going to get him to respond on it. Cause I think, I think it's a great place to start. All right, let's go. In 10 years, I see myself uh, practicing uh, academic surgery as a transfer surgeon. Uh, but additionally, I see myself being active in my community um, because transplantation uh, in minorities is very underrepresented. And I think it's going to be critical uh, that as more uh, minorities come into the field, that uh, we play a critical, we don't just perform the surgeries, but we also play a role in educating the community so that uh, the community can have that knowledge it needs to have access to these organs. I also see myself holding down, man, in, in, in other levels uh, in medicine. And who knows, I might be trying to be a program director, dean. The sky's the limit. Um, I'm not going to limit myself uh, to just being a transplant surgeon because I never limit myself to anything in life, so I'm not going to stop now. Now, you said wow during that clip. Tell me me what, what was the wow about? First, let me say this, brother. I, you know, I want to I want to congratulate you for yet another, you know, successful endeavor that you are uh, undertaking. Thank you. Speaking to existence, you, brother. Brother, you are, you're very talented, and I've always been humbled by uh, what you bring to the table. Thank you. you know Thank what you. I, mean? I appreciate that. Uh, and that Stranger in Moscow in the background was a good look oh, on yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Michael uh, Jackson, That's baby. one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, The Sleeper. Um, I said, wow, because, you know, honestly, I tell people... Now, you know, I am a program director of general surgery, as you know, uh, and I actually didn't think that that was something, you know, at the time that I was pursuing. But it's mm. funny that I actually 
was, I guess, right. mentally I had put that to the side because right. of where I was, you know, professionally um, at the time that that opportunity presented itself. But wow, it's crazy because, yeah, you know, I'm definitely doing a transplant surgery. Uh, definitely involved with the, you know, the knowledge, the spreading of knowledge within, right. you know, um, our community, community. the yep. importance of not only preventative health with high blood pressure and diabetes, but also access to transplant. And, right. you know, so that was, yeah, that's, that's heavy. Interesting, right? And it's less than 10 years, brother. No, no, it's, it's, it's eight years. It's eight years. That's right. So, you know, you're ahead of the, you're ahead of the curve. The easy pass lane. <laughs> that's I'm right. paying. I'm that's not right. stopping the pain. I'm going to keep right. going. And, you know, it's interesting. I actually mentioned this to you when you got the transplantation job that you said this, you probably don't remember, but your comment to me at the time was, man, I said shit. I said, I was just saying something, you know, cause I thought it, 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 it might've sounded good, but I wasn't completely sure that that's what I wanted to do. You know? So it's just so interesting how we put stuff out there and, and manifest and it manifests itself, right. you know? Yeah, sometimes your your I think your your inner energy, even if you're not aware of it, I think it can bring certain things to life. Right. Good and bad. Right. right. You know, oh, yeah. and you know, to kinda, you know, present those challenges or those experiences that make you complete. Right. No, for sure. It it, it was just amazing to me when I rewatched it and I saw that. I said, Damn, this guy is doing everything that he said he was gonna do ahead of time. <laughs> so it's kinda like, you know, and we'll, God is good. We'll, and we'll we'll get to it a little bit later, but you know it's kind of like, all right, now you 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 did that, you're ahead. So what's you know what's, what's next? What's, what's right. the future hold for? You got to keep keep climbing, Anthony Watkins. You know it's a it's a big thing. I don't think people understand, um, the the role model that this man is. What a program director does is essentially train the future of surgery at New York University right, yeah. Right, right. Which is great. I, I mean, I don't think there are any other uh program directors of color in surgery in New York, I don't think. I mean, you would know. I don't think so either, actually. Yeah. No. So, and it, no. and some of the conversations that he and I have had, you know, off offline, it definitely wasn't because of his skin color that he, that he received <laughs> this, you know, this position. Um, he He's worked his butt off, you know, he's worked his tail off. So, you know, kudos to him and kudos to manifestation hashtag manifestation oh, that's proud right. of you, brother and speaking into existence yeah 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 for sure so you know what i want to do now is just kind of allow you to talk a little bit about your arc you know as a as a filmmaker you know i'm a filmmaker right right amongst other things <laughs> i mean i'm gonna put it out there real quick you you know you you're talking about me and everything i do but you uh-huh. know you are a physician as oh, well. That's true. Your audience should recognize that's that. True. So, you know, you do, you know, have some knowledge in regards to the medical Absolutely. field. We're going to talk about that aspect of that. No yeah, question. no, I, sh- I should. You're a healer I, as well. I should. I went to school long enough. I should know what I'm doing. I've been doing doing emergency medicine for 10 years. So anyway, over 10 years. So anyway, um, I'd like you to talk about, because Anthony is from Tennessee, from Nashville, Tennessee. And I'd just like you to just briefly just... Walk us through your your journey from Tennessee to NYC. Yeah, Tennessee to NYC. You know, and, you know, the, the move to Colorado and Florida and all that stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow, yeah, wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. Give us, the, give us about... the arc, brother. Oh, I was saying, I, I lost my train of thought. What I was saying as a filmmaker, I look at people almost like film characters. You know, like, what's their arc? You know, what right, what, right. What, did, what are their needs, their wants? What's their goals? And throughout their life, how did they complete? their you know their arc whatever that is you know right, so right. anyway go ahead 
but yeah, I was, you know, born and raised in Nashville, um, by, by a single parent for the most part. Okay. Uh, you know, my mother and father divorced at a relatively early age. I was probably around two or three and my mother remarried. Um, and my stepfather really played a, a, a vital role as a father figure for me, uh, during those early years. That's great. Uh, and I think that's important because, you know, once they separated, which was around the age of nine, okay. um, that's when I've kind of transitioned from from Tennessee or Nashville to a brief, you know, stint living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for a year, which was great. Uh, that they that kind of provided a a different um, kind of a different way of living, or di- it exposed me to to different cultures. Right, the South is, for all intents and purposes, is is relatively homogenous. You know, there's black, white, and a few. Uh, Mexicans. Right, you saying in that Na- you saying in Nashville? Yeah, right, right, yeah, Nashville. In I mean, contrast, yeah, in general, to Florida, right. technically Florida is the South, right? Right, but right. It's yeah. still when people when say about the South, they're not talking about exactly, and they don't talk about Atlanta. Doesn't really count either. Right. Just to put that out there, it's like a melting pot. But the South, you talk about Mississippi, you talking about Alabama, right? right, right? right you talking right, about right. Georgia Louisiana. outside of Atlanta? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, oh the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, the bubbles, you. right? Yeah, Remember sure. the bubbles. So if right. you look at the the electoral map, you'll get insight uh, of what go. I'm talking about. Yeah, please. But I'm gonna I, stop I, right yeah, there. Please, please. But you know, moved to Florida. That was cool. I mean, my parents then uh, separated, and then um, my I, I lived with my stepfather for about eight, one to two years. We actually moved to Denver, Colorado, and I think that was probably um, one of the first major experiences that I had. That you know, kind of I, I took forward in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, living in a in a in a, society, a community where there wasn't a lot of people of color. Okay, right. So I went to a middle school. I remember the first day there. You know, people asking me, "Am I going to try out for the basketball team? Like, how do you know I can play basketball? <laughs> right? I can, how do you know I can even dribble? Right? I'm um, just a, just dealing with a lot of stereotypes that you you know that not only then but even today. Right. Um, people have towards people of color, um, and right. and that which you, was which you can't blame people for. No, no, you know? no, it's yeah. ignorance. Um, so that was so that was interesting because, yeah. So it was only three, two of us really in that entire school, which I had never been in that environment. Wow. So it kind of taught me how to, you know, integrate right uh, in in a, in you know in society, and you know, kind of learn who you are and how you present that to others, despite you know some of the challenges that they may have and the way they view you. Then I had a very bad situation that oh, happened there. Yeah, uh, I'll be kind Keep of brief, that. but you know, basically there was um, some friends of ours that we were all playing with. Okay, um, one of the one of the one of the friends was with me and a buddy of mine who happened to be the only other person of color at the school. We're kind of off. This is the winter break. We're kind of hanging out at, right. you know, in our houses, respective homes. Our parents are at work and we're kind of, we go to my friend's house and we're playing. And then my friend didn't like this other kid. So he wouldn't let him come into the place and he got mad. So he went to the local Seven Eleven and and told, you know, to the cashier that, oh, these black guys, uh, have my friend and won't let her go. <laughs> this is, and this is again, this is just because we wouldn't let him come in. Right, right, right. But then the long it turns story into short, a, yeah. So he says the black guys, and I, I guess as you can imagine, that that kind of yeah. stirs the, the pot a little bit. Right, right. Um, so unbeknownst to us, we look outside and see someone just look around the corner and they just do that finger action, like come here. And I right. thought this was actually like a neighbor, you know, someone. Right. And I'm like, oh man. We got to go out here. Chris is, I don't know what he's, who he's, what he said and who he's told. 
And, you know, our mutual friend that we had, she was like laughing, like, ah, and she runs out the front door, like, right. you know, um, and we go out the back door, man, it was like, whoa. I mean, it had like at least SWAT. five or six cops. No, it wasn't SWAT, <laughs> though they, they did mention thinking about bringing them in. Okay. I'm, I, and mind you, people, right. I'm in the seventh grade at this right. time. So, yeah. Right. So, anyways, but yeah. Like and about 110 pounds. Right. I'm probably still only 110 pounds, but no judgment. Right. Um, but yeah, so six cops, you know, pull guns, right. they draw their guns, you know, freeze, you know, they throw us to the ground, handcuff us the whole nine. How old were you? How old were you then? Uh, I was about, I'd say about 11, 11, yeah, yeah. about 11 years old. Yeah. 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 And long story short, you know, we, they took us downtown. Um, and, you know, at first, it, 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 it got a little scary because at first our other friend who happened to be a girl, which is where it gets, you know, interesting. She wasn't supposed to leave her house that day. So right. she was actually scared that she was going to get in trouble. Okay. So then she starts a narrative that, Oh yeah, they wouldn't let me go. And blah, uh, you know, right. And boy, then it was like, oh Whoa, uh, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, but luckily a matter of 24 hours, you know, she, you know, she changed the whole story and, you know, we got off scot-free. And you, re- you realize like, how many times that that happens and right. but the, story, but the remains, story remains and those brothers or sisters Man, I, or whoever, I, even it could be somebody Caucasian, it don't have to be somebody right, black, right. end up in jail for nothing. Well, I go back to that period in time often in my mind and say, wow, if she would have stayed with that narrative, you know, Ooh, you know, I probably yeah. wouldn't be right here. Probably not. You might be here. I might be here, but yeah, it would have been a different. <laughs> under different circumstances. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm talking about right here, like you and I talking, you know, you, ne- you right. never know what, you know, impact that could have had. Right. So, um, but anyway, so that was one piece. Of, and so I bring it up to say that, you know, after that, I move, you know, I was like, wait, maybe this Colorado yeah, thing is not really going to work out. You and you and Kobe. Yeah. Oh, snap. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a little different. Right. But, uh, no, um, but yeah. So, so we went back to Tennessee, moved, you know, and, and lived with my mother from eighth grade um, on to completing um, high school. Mm-hmm. But. You know, and, and, you know, during that period of time, you know, growing up with a, living with a single parent and, you know, my mother hadn't, you know, she only completed high school education. She didn't go to college, but she knew in her mind that she wanted me, you know, to be more successful than she was more successful, meaning she wanted me to go to college. Right. Um, So she really pushed that. So she actually played an instrumental role in putting me in a very good school for eighth grade um, and then forcing me to go to a school I did not want to go to. Which was what? Which was uh, Hume Fogg Magnet School. Hume and Fogg. Albert Hume and some dude named Fogg. But anyways, like this is like, you know, in this, you know, magnet schools, these are, you know, this was a school designed, you know, for people, you know, who were a little bit more uh, intelligent. You know, Quote in quotations, right? Right, whatever that means. Um, now, why didn't you want to go to Hume Fogg? Because, you know, you know the way it works, I guess, across the country, you know, you want to go to school where you're, you know, that your district, so to speak, is located, where all my friends, all the Got people it. that lived in my Got community it. were going to this one high school. So I right. wanted to go there. I ended up going to a high school that was downtown, which was totally different, right. you know, um, setting. And anyways, but it ended up being a great experience. You yeah. had people from all over um, Nashville that were there. You had a lot of people who were doing big things and motivating. I think, you know, you, you, you put yourself in that environment. All it did, does mm-hmm. is motivate you and push you to do bigger and better things. Right. Um, I never realized that it was your mom that made you go there. Oh yeah. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. Matter of fact, I had to take a test to go there and I yeah. tried to do bad on the test. <laughs> Clearly I didn't try hard enough. I should have just did random, but I really did. I was like, right. I do not want to go to this school. Right. 
Uh, but hey, so that was one of those those critical points in my life, and and, and, uh, and yeah, and the thing that's so interesting, even now, like as a parent, I'm sure you look back on that situation, saying to yourself, you know, what a damn fool I was, you know, trying right, to argue with this right. woman who's trying to it's part put, of growing me, up, yeah, and then you know dealing with, you know, you got kids, I got kids, dealing with your children now and trying to right. tell them stuff and right. they're looking at you like you're crazy and you look at them like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you have to keep <laughs> you know? that in perspective. Cause yeah, we were all kids and it, and it's the same cycle. Everyone, all your parents go look at the kids like, Oh, right. what are they doing? But we were there once. Right. 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 Um, but anyways, you know, my, my, my high school experience was, was great and ended up going to college. And the, and the funny thing was, is even, you know, even though my mother got me to this great high school, you know, the support and the guidance mm-hmm. um, actually wasn't really where it should be. And I bring it up because I was talking to someone recently who's a, a college student up at Cornell uh, in Ithaca. And it was it was sad, you know, because this individual was talking about, you know, the struggles that they had in regards to finding a good school to go into and how the, their guidance counselor in high school really wasn't that helpful. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. exactly how it was even for me. I mean, yeah. It really was. I just kind of, you know, oh, you know, Spike Lee went to Morehouse. You know, he makes right. some good movies. I want to go to Morehouse. Oh, right. Howard is, you right. know, Howard is like a great school. It's in D.C. It seems like a cool. Maybe I'll go to Howard, you right. know. Um, so that's really was just kind of how I, you know, played played that uh, right. college application yeah. game. But anyways, got into college, went to HBCU, it's which was which, uh, yeah, University. Fish University, 1866. Um, that was a great experience because, uh, you know, part of my reason for going to HBCU was because a friend of mine in high school, uh, actually my best friend in high school, she, her father was, is, is a dentist mm. and he had three daughters. And I remember, you know, I used to go to their house and hang out and, you know, he's a cool brother. He played some jazz, he right. smoked his cigarettes and we just sit back and talk, you know, cause I really didn't have a, a, a you know, a, a consistent wow. father figure yeah. that was around. Like my stepfather, we still had a great relationship, but he was living in California at that time. But okay. And he was to say, he said, you know, he wanted his kids to go to a, a HBCU for college mm-hmm. because he wanted them to learn about themselves and their people and then right. go to a majority school or yeah. graduate school. So yeah. I, I thought that that made sense. And yeah. so that's the approach I took. So I went to HBCU. It was a great experience. Um, always knew I wanted to be a physician. So that wasn't, right. that wasn't really anything that was, on, you know, a question in my mind. So I continued when did, to When did you that. know you wanted to be a physician? Do you, you remember at what point or... You know, was it, did you, somebody say something to you? Did you see something? Did you, what, what was it? Cause most people, I won't say most people, but it's, it's not like for me, my own story is it was as simple as like, I really like science. And my father was like, you know what? I think you should, you should be a physician. I think you'd be good at that. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> it was like that, you know, so, but it wasn't, you know. Right. Uh, you know, I think for me, it it really was. It's in my genes, right? And we'll get oh, to that's that. Right. It's in my that's DNA. Right. I completely so forgot. It, right. it literally okay. went from it yeah. literally went from me just thinking in my mind at, a, at an early age that oh, being a physician sounds like something that I would want to do. To when I was around the age of nine, you know, right. someone gave me an anatomy book, okay. and I don't even know why I got right. an anatomy book at that right. age. But this book became like one of the best books I'd ever seen because it just, just looking at the the human anatomy yeah. and the different complex systems right. I thought was fascinating. Right. A matter of fact, a friend of mine who, who was my friend at that time and then moved away and we, and then we went to the same college. He would actually bring that up. Say, man, I used to come to your house and want to go out and play, go ride the bikes. 
You know, you want to look at that damn anatomy book. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you're right. And I think that's when it really, right, that's when it go. really collect, you know, yeah. it connected on a more uh, objective, you know, yeah. or in a real sense, like that love for the, the human body and science. And that's kind of really um, the genesis of me saying, oh yeah, I really want to be a physician. Right. Um, let's, let's, I want to, I want to shoot forward. Right. So we, you, you go to university of Tennessee at Memphis, um, meet your wife there. For med school. For med school. After Fisk, met your wife there. And then you decided on residency. You did a general surgery residency right at UMDNJ in Newark. And that's that's kinda got that's what got you closer to New York. Right. <laughs> right. And uh that that the it was the because you know, you could have did residency in Kansas. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, hopefully not, but yeah, you could have yeah. well, nothing listen, anybody yeah, listening right. to Kansas, that, no hate. No hate against Kansas. I'm just saying it's not close Jayhawks, to New York. Jayhawks. Yeah. <laughs> Jayhawks and uh just when uh they won the won the World Series last year. Not last year, but the year before last. Yeah. You know baseball. Yeah, that's <laughs> the Red Sox, uh the Giants and uh the Yankees. <laughs> and what what about what about the Cowboys? Or what no, about, it's about as far as baseball? That's, oh, that's okay. It, yeah. That's that's your that's those are okay. teams, yeah. yeah. All right, we digress. Let's come back. So um take us to I want you to take us a little oh. One of the, the things that I forgot to mention at the out, outset, which we'll, we'll mention is at some point, Dr. Watkins graduated from uh, residency, went to, he was the star, I should say, of an ABC reality show on New York Med. Tell us a little bit about what it was like being on a reality show. Uh, well, first. Since this, <laughs> since this is a podcast right, about right. truthfulness and realness, tell, tell me a little right, bit about right. what that was so, like. So first and foremost, uh, reality shows and reality in quotations aren't really reality. It's like social media, right? When it comes to social media, you can pick and choose what you want to portray and put out there for the world, so to speak, to see, you know, people don't put on social media when they're sad. I mean, some do, but you know, it's edited, it's it's scripted. Reality shows are similar to that. And I, and I realized that with my experiences, you know, they're going to take all this footage of real life, you know, this was a, a medical documentary um, that ABC did. And basically they were following uh, physicians and, and the patients that we take care of. They were following them around both the hospital and their personal lives to kind of see how that all intertwined. So you're seeing right. the physician perspective, you're seeing the patient perspective. Um, for me, you know, I there was a lot of footage that that wasn't included in the, in the final product, so to speak, that really opened really? my eyes to how like what? it's really scripted and it's really designed for a combination of entertainment okay. and educate, edutainment, right? Edutainment, education. <laughs> BDP. Right, right. Edutainment. Knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everybody. So basically, <laughs> you know, we had a lot of discussions about, uh, I'll, I'll call it the black man, white coat phenomenon. Like oh, really? Any, yeah. So any, any, any person of color is a physician. And they edu- shot that? Yeah, yeah, we wow. had yeah, they they drove okay. that they drove that conversation. I didn't bring that up. We had okay. several where they well, asked phenomena. Right. Uh yeah, I mean if you ask anyone, you right. know, we we've been considered a janitor. We've been we, oh, yeah. you know, we can have a white coat, a shirt tie on and still uh, are you uh housekeeping, <laughs> right? Are you are you here from, <laughs> from to bring my tray? Um but so we talked about a lot of that and I and I thought it was an important I was a little reluctant, honestly, when they, the first time they, a question along those lines were asked, but it was asked several times. And over time, you know, I recognized its importance, but then the curveball was that it wasn't included 
in oh, the, in the final, final cut. Right. So when it Interesting. aired, Interesting. you know, instead there was more focus on a relationship with me and my co-fellow and, and painting a picture that uh, that relationship was more right. than what it really right. was. Because everybody thought when the show was on that you were having an affair with, with her. Right. And, and that's that just because of the way they, that's the way they, erroneous. They, yeah, they picked and, you know, put that together. That's the, that's the message that it sent. I mean, hell, even I'm looking at it like, wow, did, did I, did we have a relationship? Because right. the way y'all put that together, right. I mean, we had a, a, a obviously a great friendship, right. right. But, um, so anyways, that's, so the experience was good. Um, you know, it was overall good. I mean, there were definitely a lot of people who reached out to me from around the world, okay. like, which is crazy. You know, right. the other, you know, parts of the, of the world, you know, speaking to the inspiration I played for them in their lives and how mm-hmm. they wanted to be physicians, nurses, et cetera. Right. I mean, to this day, there's still several that I keep in contact with. I've, I've mentored several uh, people locally in the United States. Just based it, off the it, show. It's based off the That's show. Great. People reached out to me, developing relationships. And What about people coming up to you in the street? Anthony, uh-huh. Anthony. Huh. <laughs> Dr. Watkins. Right. Yeah, that uh <laughs> yeah, that 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 happened definitely happened more than I would have expected. Uh honestly, I remember I was going to Barclays one day to see a, a Nets game and this cat literally ran up to me. It's like, "Wait, excuse me, excuse me. Were you that that doctor in that show?" You know, <laughs> right. I was in a lounge one day and these right. people were staring at me. I was like, "Why are they staring at me?" And then they came over. But, you know, that was cool, but for me, I don't I don't really care about that. You right. know, what I mean, um my focus is all about, you know, teaching the next generation and and really being a role model that, you know, we lack in society, meaning, you know, a person of color in a, in a, in a professional position that's an intellectual position. It's not right. a, one of entertainment or, or sports because I think, you know, there's a paucity or, 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 or lack of Positive, yes. that representation. For sure. No, for sure. We're, I, I remember um, doing a talk for junior high school kids and, uh, asked them, you know, what they want to do. And it was like rapper, you know, basketball, football. That was, it was a room of like 20. And so I knew I was going to get that answer. So I threw up a, a a picture of a graph that showed the salary of Kobe at the time, which I think was like maybe 23 million. And then the income of the Lakers, which is like a billion. Right. right. And, and the same thing with Michael Jordan, even when Michael Jordan was in his prime, I showed whatever his salary was and then how much the, the bulls brought in during that year to illustrate a point that, you know, you want to do something, let's focus on ownership, owning something. Right, right. Now, obviously, Michael Jordan now is an owner, so he got it. Um, But, and listen, there's nothing wrong with athletes and there's nothing wrong with comedians, nothing wrong with entertainment. I think what we're talking about is the proportion, right? Right, right. There's a disproportionately amount of that in the psyches of our young people because they see that as a a pathway, a road to, to wealth. And I think what you talked about earlier really illustrates it perfectly when you were talking about how you couldn't get, keep your eyes off this damn uh, anatomy book. Right. That ultimately shows you that real happiness comes from, you know, matching your passions with your talents, um, matching your interests with, you know, something that, that just really drives you. And that will put you in a place where you, you may not be making $10 million, but you will feel wealthy and you'll be happy. And I think ultimately, um, you know, that's what that's what it's about. Yeah. And I mean, I think the last piece I'll say is that, you know, you and I both know that there's a lot of ramifications for the lack of, you know, physicians of color. And oh, so yeah. health is, is, is you know, obviously tremendously important. Right. And so if you have uh, a medical community that lacks that representation, there's there's um, there's a, a downstream effect of that, you know, 
that, you know, the lack of care that people in our community get, et cetera. Right. Um, and then I just think, you know, the other piece is, you know, most people, you know, look up, you know, want to be entertainers and want to be athletes because that's what they see. So part of the part of the conversation has to recognize that the more representation, the more these individuals are portrayed in society are seen and are, you know, and are the, the pathways cross, right. then, then they can realize, oh, I can do that too. And I think that's an important piece of it as well. For sure. And that's the truth, Ruth. <laughs> so in terms of your professional life, talk about a truth or reality that you had to confront that ultimately confronting it and accepting it helped you to move past a particular obstacle? You know, I think we we have in our minds uh, a, a way that things should be, but oftentimes that's not reality. Okay. All right. And so one of the truths I, have to rec- I had to recognize with my professional life was that oftentimes, despite the amount of effort or the hard work, uh, the contributions made, um, that there was a disconnect with how I was being compensated for that effort, you know, and, and I, and I, and I emphasize that because there was recognition and acknowledgement that, you know, big things were being achieved and I was right. Right. And that I was quote, you know, uh, an MVP in the department. (laughs) (laughs) But when it came to the conversations that, you know, involving compensation and these right. aren't comp you know these weren't comp this is like you know hey i'm trying to get excessively paid for xyz but right. these are really just what i would say is fair and just right. so to speak the market right the market right market deems, value right they, right market deems correct um you know there was a disconnect in in individuals uh wanting to uh provide that compensation and so you know what i had to recognize um is that well, I can either A, continue to be underpaid and unhappy, right. and, or B, I can put my needs and feelings um, first right. and, 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 and be very clear mm-hmm. on what I need, right. you know, and basically deal with whatever repercussions, repercussions so to right. speak, uh, are derived from that. Right. But, you know, it's, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that has to be done, obviously, in a in an ill way, but I think, I think that, you know, we, you have to recognize your value and stand up for it. Yeah. Now that's important. Period. Kind of like what we had talked about this once before that oftentimes the solution is easy, right? But it's the execution that's difficult. That's right. I like to say the solution is simple. The answer is simple. The questions, the answers to your questions are simple. Right. Right. We make it more complicated than it should be. Right. But the execution can be challenging because it, it requires you being uncomfortable. Correct. It requires you dealing with false evidence appearing real, real, which is fear. Right? right. You have to get beyond the fear. You have to get beyond. Oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable. And you right. stand up for what you truly need and desire, because if you don't, you're going to be uncomfortable moving forward because right. you're going to be unhappy right. with with what your compensation is. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, the you recognize that, oh, I'm not being compensated, you know, correctly. And then it was, you know, realizing that for some time and then and then having the realization like, oh, the truth of the matter is <laughs> that if I want this to change, I need to do something about right. it. Right. And lean into, they always say lean into your discomfort, you know, lean into, you know, your, your discomfort. So 
That's an important part. Okay. Again, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about the personal, mm-hmm. but something that you know happened to you or that you've been dealing with personally in the past or currently that you you know ultimately had to accept the truth about. And accepting that truth helped you to move past it. So the so the personal aspect is is as such. You know, you know, one thing I've recognized um, is that a lot of people do not know who they are as an individual. And it's very important for you to, to know thyself. And what I mean by that is that you have to, to be honest with who you are as a person, what your needs are, um, and you have to be comfortable with that. Okay. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And what ends up happening is, is that it, it creates a lot of dysfunction in their lives. Not okay. only personally, even though we're talking personally, but right. that even extends oh, professionally. Absolutely. It's all aspects of life. But for me, you know, the personal standpoint, I think this was, was, was critical because, you know, then what happens is that, you know, you, you ultimately start putting other people's needs before yours. You right. end up, you know, ultimately not speaking from a place of honesty when it comes with with certain situations and issues. Uh, And I think that the recognition of that hurdle that was in my life was, was huge. Okay. And I can give you an example. You know, I think many people have personal challenges that, that manifest in, in, in uh, various ways, such as defense mechanisms, right? Let's say you have someone who's short, right? Mm -hmm. They have the the Napoleon complex, Complex, right. right? Right. And so, so they kind of to 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 make up for that. They then obviously act right, a certain way, right. right? And and the challenge with that individual is just that they haven't embraced, you know, them being short, right? And accepting. <laughs> right. I mean, I know that sounds right. simple, but right. at the end of the day, yeah. I, I know plenty of people who have that complex, and it and it wreaks havoc in all aspects of their well, life. You can so, turn into a positive, like right. Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is short, but he's funny yes. and making money. Right. Right. But you have to accept yeah. who you are. And I think that, you know, this is a challenge. I think I've, I've, as I've really paid attention to it, this is a challenge that a lot of people struggle with. And I know I was struggling with it and it, and it's, and it feels liberating to, to, to come into a, a space where you're comfortable with who you are and you're honest with yourself first and then you can be honest with those around you. Right. You put yourself first and, and basically uh, your life is, is a little bit more, uh, it's, 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 it's a little bit more whole, so to speak. Well, you have true happiness and true contentment. Okay. So you, you would say that you recognize this particular individual did not truly know themselves. And because they didn't know themselves, they weren't able to effectively communicate how they were feeling with other individuals. Right. Okay. Right. We leave it at that. I right. like that. Right. I'm going to ask you um, some, just some rapid fire questions. And then we're going to play a little game. So, and your answer, one sentence, one sentence answers. So you got to be as concise and surgical. Surgical. As possible. That means precise. (laughs) What would your 75-year-old self tell you now? My 75-year-old self tell me now. Yes. Life is short. Um, Don't spend too much time looking at the past. Enjoy the here and now. And keep moving forward and keep learning and growing as an individual. Excellent. Who is your personal Mount Rushmore? Meaning the people that are important to you, whether it's people you know or people you don't know. People many, that inspire how pe- you. How many people on Mount Rushmore? Not sure. Four. Not sure. Uh, uh, this is a rapid fire Barack Obama. You know, I think he embodies leadership to his core. 
I mean, Definitely. intellectual, cool, swagger. He's a complete package. Stevie Wonder. Mm. Uh, can't, can't, uh, you know, he's blind, but, um, <laughs> but he can see most, he can see better than most people who can actually see Paul's. Um, and so if you, <laughs> and, and if you listen, listen to his music, I mean, his music is, he's like, it's just like, it's like activism. I, right. I use that theme for, to represent Stevie Wonder. He uses music, um, to try to push for, for much needed social change, even though, and even though most of his music that he wrote was in the 1970s and, you know, and perhaps some 60s stuff. It's still relevant to 2017. Very well. Um, El Hodge Malik Shabazz, uh, further X. known as Malcolm X, also known as Detroit Red. Um, the autobiography of Malcolm X was one of the most powerful books I've ever read in my life. And I mm. think, you know, what I really, you know, the this, this simple message that I took away from from him as an individual is, is how powerful transformation can be. Mm, um, yeah. you know, to, to see him go from Detroit Red to Malcolm X, you know, with the, with the Nation of Islam and then really, you know, continue to grow and, and, you know, before he was, was killed, you know, reaching a place of clarity where he recognized that the, the color of another person's skin alone is not what makes them a devil. Right. It's their actions. And, yeah, um, form. I think he was just a powerful human being. And then last but not least, I'd probably say Steve Jobs. Even though I don't agree with a lot of Steve, you know, who Steve Jobs was as a character, obviously with his personal relationships. And I will point out that I think, you know, what he was able to achieve in life was re really came from a bad place, you know, yeah, right? Being right. felt like he was abandoned, et cetera. I mean, the innovation, you know, you know, um, I think we always have to look at life and where it is, but look at where it can go. So whatever you're dealing with, you know, whether it's, you know, me professionally with, with the way I train the residents, you know, the way I take care of patients who have received transplants, et cetera. We always have to think of innovative and better ways to do things. And the, and the way he revolutionized, you know, technology with the iPhone, et cetera, I, I think is, 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 is crazy. So uh, that would be my four for Mount Rushmore. Mm -hmm. Leave a dent. You know, we all trying to leave a dent in the universe. That was great. Next question. Leave a dent, man. <clears throat> What's that saying? They say, um, I can't think of it now, but it's something like, oh, what's the most important part of the tombstone, right? And it's like the dash. <laughs> right. It's like, what the hell did you do while you were here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, next question. Uh, what truths do you think are important for your your sons to know? You have two sons, right. Khalil and Aiden. And um, what, what would you like for them to, to, to incorporate um, in, in their lives. Truth. Well, I think, you know, I think as a parent, the, the, the most important goal is, is to instill in them principles, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a, you know, I think life needs a foundation in order for you to be successful. And that foundation. Try to choose one principle. One principle? Yeah. One principle, one in, truth. Integrity. Love it. All right. We're going to go to, we're going to play this game. It's going to be fun. Game is called Yes or BS. Uh -huh. Okay. What does BS stand for? BS stands for bull crap. That's <laughs> <laughs> a C. <laughs> Before Christ. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Before Christ. So, uh, yeah, well, some Christians might say it was BS before. B they, they might say it was BS before BC. Uh, ooh. You don't hear me, though. All right. So, wow. listen. Heaviness. I'm going to. Say a sentence, you just say yes or BS. I'm going rapid fire. Mm -hmm. Trump BS. <laughs> I tried to I tried to keep Trump out of this. 
he's okay. he's in the news enough. Men are smarter than women. BS. Technology is making us more stupid. Yes. Green tea is better than coffee. Yes. Surgery is the most challenging medical specialty. No doubt. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that an option? <laughs> Mac is wax and Steve Jobs died. BS. The best vacation is a staycation. BS. Makeup or breakup sex is the best. You said makeup or breakup. Or breakup. Yes. <laughs> Dogs are better than cats. Yes. Anthony Watkins can outdance most surgeons. No doubt. <laughs> Forget surgeons, most people. Most Actually, I, I, I digress. I did put Trump in, in here, one of these. Grabbing random vaginas is okay. BS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. On that note, I think we're going to close it out. Um, this was an amazing, amazing conversation with an amazing, amazing individual. So happy, so proud of this man. And um, particularly to be the first on the podcast. It's, it's numero uno. Numero uno, baby. It's, uh, it's a great thing. And um, I hope that, you know, we're able to glean something from this conversation. The truth is an important part of, uh, of life. And it's an important part of being able to get past and break through obstacles that, 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 that stop us. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Thanks again to Dr. Watkins. I appreciate it, brother. And just remember that the truth will set you free if you let it.